We welcome Claudia Reyes. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Refresco Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So why don't, why don't we start? Where are you from? Let the people know what it is that you do. Yeah, definitely. So I'm calling in from El Este de Los Angeles. And I am currently a, oh, people are going to drag me for this. I'm currently <laughs> a foster care social worker. Mm, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. And you said you were born in Mexico. You told me a little bit in your bio. And you were raised all over LA County. But you like to call East LA your home. Why is that? Yeah, definitely. It's actually very interesting. So like what like similar to what you were saying, I was born in Mexico. I came to the United States when I was three years old. And when I first arrived to the United States, I lived in Echo Park slash Silver Lake, like between the border. And then mm -hmm. after that, I moved to South Central and like was living all across South Central. And then um, we made our way to Long Beach. And then from Long Beach, we made our way back to Boyle Heights. And then from Boyle Heights, we made ourselves, um, made our way to, to East LA. So like we've been kind of roaming around, but essentially the place that we landed back on was Boyle Heights, East LA. And so that's why I definitely call East LA home. Of that. It reminds me a lot about my upbringing when I was born in the Bronx, you know, I moved around so much all over the city that, you know, whenever people, there's like un cuento, like people say, um, oh, where, what, what street you're from? <laughs> it's like, um, multiple, <laughs> I don't like have, I don't have just one address <laughs> that I claim. So I claim multiple streets, which is very interesting, but I love that. I love that you, you have almost explored, right? Yeah. Certain, certain pockets of LA. Yeah. Um, I think it's so interesting the way that you said that when people like when you would you you were growing up that people would ask you like where are you from and you'd be like uh I actually felt the same way too like growing up too I always felt very self-conscious because um like in East LA for example all of my high school classmates they always said oh yeah like I was born and raised like they claimed that like I was born and raised in in a specific mm -hmm. area and like for me I was just like oh no like I I'm from so-and-so, so-and-so part. Like, I can't claim that, like, I was born in, in a specific area. I can just say, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I was raised here. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, being born and raised in the Bronx and then living in Jersey and then migrating to multiple places. Like, Cali, obviously, is currently my, my state of mind, my energy, where I'm at. <laughs> But I've traveled and... and put myself in these little pockets for moments of time that it's like yeah I'm pretty much a I I consider myself nomadic in that <laughs> yeah I move around a lot um so I appreciate that and tell us more about your social work role yeah definitely so I'm a social worker I do want to clarify that I don't take babies away 
<laughs> I don't yes. think they... <laughs> yes please reduce the stigma because yes. I used to be a social worker as well for oh, some time gotcha yeah. let's let's talk more about that let's see where... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like um I definitely don't take babies away I work at a foster care agency so what that means is that I um make sure that the kids who are placed in foster care have adequate clothing adequate um clothing um, allowance and that they're being treated well so like I definitely make home visits every week and then just have conversations with the kids and also the foster parents that are taking care of them because I feel like that's really important to make sure that they're okay but like going back to like what I was saying that people are going to drag me about being a, a foster care social worker I feel like right now in the media um everyone's looking at social workers like what are you doing like um oh yeah like I, I feel like it's been like that universally for years yeah and like they're like oh social workers should be at the at the forefront instead of cops and I'm like yes but like also like social work is very racist and like as mm-hmm. as a Latina I'm I'm like yes I'm like trying to break all these stigma 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 like let's let's move away from all of that but like it's hard when all of mm-hmm. these structures are put into place and then you're just one person working against the whole entire system. But I'm trying, y'all. You are. Trying. You are. You are out here serving with grace. Let me tell you something. <laughs> because not a lot of people would choose to continue in this line of work. You know what I mean? And, and to have a passion for it and to identify as a resource to the community. I love that you um, mentioned in your bio that you you know try to get civically engaged and like your community is big thing for you so having that alongside of being a social worker like you are you you're doing a dang thing yo listen i'm trying i'm really (laughs) trying and i feel very supportive with like other folks who are also doing amazing things within their community i appreciate um people people like yourself for example who are putting a podcast out there so that other folks can like relate to and like hear other folks' stories because I feel like that's how we all connect and see like ah I could do that within my own community and like just build community from there for sure absolutely so tell us a little bit about where you were born right Mexico Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of interviews where I've interviewed close friends and of course majority Dominican Caribbean (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about that and culturally how how you grew up. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Mexico. I came to the United States when I was three. And so I definitely grew up in a very Catholic home, um, very machista too. And but it was not necessarily for my mom. My mom, she's a single parent and um her being the way that she was brought up and her going through like her own stuff like trauma and all of that she was like nah I'm not gonna do this to my kids so like she definitely tried to break against that stigma and like break Mm -hmm. away from that and so I definitely appreciated her for that because she definitely um I guess in a sense paved a way for me to stand up stand up against like a whole bunch of things that um were common so like um I don't know if it's similar to you but like Mm -hmm. For me, when, whenever we would go out to parties, um, folks would be like, oh, saluda a tal y tal fulanito. And I'm like, uh, I don't know them. Like, I'm not going to give them a kiss. And, a, and <laughs> yeah. like all of that. Like, I definitely do that to like folks that I know. But then if I don't know them, like, 
when I was little, when I was like six, and they were trying to like hug me and kiss me, I'd be like, nah, nah. And like they would give my mom, so like they would give my mom stuff on me not like hugging them and kissing them. But my mom, she would be like, no, déjala, ella no quiere hacer eso, está bien. And so that definitely helped build my self-esteem up growing up because I was like, this is not what I want to do. I'm not going to do that. And it helped me like stand up for myself um, because I didn't grow up in that like typical um, like two-parent household. So mm-hmm. my mom, she was kind of like the backbone of it all. Like she definitely paved the way for me to um, go to school. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure other folks out there feel the same way that like school was definitely like pushed even more so as a first gen and even like speak on it and even (laughs) (laughs) and even like a um like an immigrant student um school was always like tienes que hacer esto te tienes que mejorar tienes que um sacarnos adelante like essentially i was looked at as like my mom's retirement plan and i still feel that way um Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't mind just because I know that like my mom, she's definitely given me a like something to be grateful for, Mm. something Mm -hmm. to be grateful for, to be thankful for and like to pass on of not letting myself be pushed over to kids if I do end up having kids. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of, of being the backbone it's almost as if now at this point in your life you're the backbone for this community and and who you're serving so I love that I absolutely love that and that and that she broke almost that mold and that stigma of machismo because let me tell you something in my in my household lord (laughs) if I could like reshape (laughs) all of these thoughts I I was the kid that was definitely silenced because I questioned everything. Mm. Once I started uh, verbalizing and becoming, uh, learning more sentences and things like that, I'm like, but why though? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like questioning everything. Like, no, this doesn't make sense to me. And they'll be like, shh, shh, shh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So I I definitely appreciate that from your mom yeah I do I'm like kudos to her like bowing down to her like thank you thank you and like I feel like I don't tell her this often that I appreciate her doing that for me but shout out to mom shout out out to mommy right there (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so tell me a little bit about you know that transition from Mexico to coming to to Cali, you came, like, straight from Mexico? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, to be quite honest, I can't even... Um, it was such a young age. Yeah, it was such a, yeah, it was such a young age that I don't necessarily remember a lot of what Mexico looks like. I don't mm. remember. I can't feel it. Like, sometimes my mom, she'll have conversations with... Um, her siblings, my tios and tias, and she'll be like, oh, te recuerdas cuando hicimos esto y esto y eso? And I'd be like, no, I was three. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, no, like, I don't remember. No. Um, but the transitioning, uh, at least from what I hear from my mom, it was definitely hard for her. Um, not speaking any any English. And the way that the American dream was also sold to her, they were, they were like, oh, yeah, 
cuando llegues a los Estados Unidos vas a encontrar dinero en el suelo. What? Mm, What? I wish. Um, <laughs> can it rain? Like... Literally. <laughs> like they, they would tell her things like that or like they would tell her, oh, um, you're going to find work very easily. And that wasn't necessarily true. Um, mm. A lot of immigrant folk, when they come to the United States, they're working in factories, like clo clothing factories. And I remember like waking up like super early, four, five in the morning and taking the bus with my mom at, at that time of, of, of the morning and I would be dropped off at my babysitter's house and then I would get picked up late at night from from the babysitter's house for my mom to go back mm. to, to where we were living and it was like like that every single day and there was times where we were locked out of the place that we were living at and we were sleeping outside and mm -hmm. It was just like a struggle adapting and it was like that for like a good two years until my mom, she was finally able to get us a place to live in Boyle Heights. And um, from there, like things started turning around, but it's, it was definitely um, hard. So I can't remember, like, I can't remember necessarily like everything in detail, but I yeah. do have like specifics of like sleeping outside and like waking up early so like i can imagine i can't even imagine what my mom was going through or thinking to and it's it's actually kind of funny because i'm currently 25 and at the time my mom she was like what like 20 22 and i'm like yeah, damn that was yeah <laughs> i'm like what, what was it what am i doing at 2022 <laughs> absolutely Yeah. And and that's why I want to shed light on these experiences in whichever way that you remember or recall, because essentially, you know, it might have been the driving force to your transplant experience while in graduate school. So mm -hmm. you consider yourself a transplant in New York while you were pursuing your degree. Mm -hmm. Let, let's transition into that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um... I got my master's in New York City, and this was something that I didn't even think was was possible, like just getting a graduate degree or even getting an undergraduate degree, um, because like when, when I was in high school, I was still, um, like there, there was like a point where I was still undocumented, and then like mm -hmm. at some point, I turned into a resident, and then like during college is when... I turned into into a citizen so like there was like a whole bunch of things that I had to go through but like back then when I was like 14 I didn't even think college was possible because I was like like how am I gonna pay for college how's mm -hmm. how's my mom going to be um sending me off to like any of these things so like getting to graduate school getting to New York was like what like is this even possible mm. um but Yeah, like even getting to graduate school, um, my senior year of my undergrad, I was very indecisive of what I wanted to do. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to take a year of service and work for um, the St. Joseph Workers Program, which is um, doing like a lot of volunteer work with a lot of nonprofits for an entire year. Oh, You're living cool. in career town. And I got accepted into the program, but then I was like, uh maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I want to do um, 
some type of teaching in some foreign country. Like I was very indecisive, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point I met with one of my professors and I was like, okay, Dr. M, I don't know what I want to do. Like maybe I'm thinking about going into law school, maybe into grad school for social work. And then the professor that I was talking to, she is part of the social work department and her, her, her lights lit up when I said social work. And she was like, oh, well, all of these other schools are, their, their application is already closed. But Columbia, mm-hmm. Columbia is open still. <laughs> wow. um, and like, she, she's an alum from Columbia University. So she was like, we could do this. And we logged on onto um, the social work program at Columbia. And we saw that it was due in two days. And I was like, there's no way that I could do this in two days. And she was like, you've already worked on your personal statement. You already have like letters of recommendations. Like you, you got this, you got this. And I was like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But she kind of convinced me and I was like, okay, bet, let's do this. And so I started working on the application, tweaking like some of the things that I already had. And I was like, okay, can you edit this? And it was like 11 p.m. in the night. She was looking over it and then she sent it over. And I was editing, but then I missed the deadline. So the following day, I go, yeah, the following day I go to her and I was like, yo, Dr. M, I didn't turn in the application. And she was like, I knew it. Give me, give me, give me two days and let me see what I could do. She called Columbia. She got me an extension. She got me a freaking extension. She got me an extension. I was able to submit my application two weeks later. And (laughs) I know. And I didn't tell anyone that I was applying. I didn't tell my mom. Like, this was literally out of the blue. So I turned in my application two weeks later. And then... Three weeks later, sometime in March, I get an email from Columbia saying, oh, hey, by the way, you're, you, you've been accepted into the school. Wow. And so, <laughs> and so I called my mom and my mom, she was kind of freaking out. And I was like, but mom, this is an Ivy League school. And she was like, I don't care. Like, how are you going to go over there? And I was like, uh, you're right, you're right. And so like, like you I know what? It. Hmm. <laughs> like, like I got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she knew, she knew what what New York was, she knew what Columbia was, but she was like, okay, but like, how are you gonna go over there? And I was like, fuck, like my dream shattered, and I didn't even know that I had this dream of going over there. Um, but then like I talked it out within myself. Like I didn't even tell her. I was just like, okay. Um, I have some money saved up, but like, can you help me put in the rest of the money? And then she was just like, okay. So like, she gave me some money to turn in my application fee or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that's how it happened. That's how it, like the journey began. Like it was very spontaneous, very like in the moment. And then like three months later, um, I packed up two suitcases and I left. I left. Yeah. Two suitcases. Two I think suitcases. I, I think I had way more than that when I, came, <laughs> when I came to California. But I've learned to be minimal here. <laughs> it's so crazy because I didn't think that I would have so many things. Um, uh-huh. But in my experience living here and just learning more about myself, like I do like having minimal things and not having 
So su- two suitcases would have been amazing <laughs> had I had this now uh, perspective. <laughs> You're like, what? What's going on? Wow. Did you have a car at all or any savings, like ready to go? No, I had nothing. I had nothing. I don't, I listen, I didn't get my license until this year. Wow. I didn't get my license until January. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, you would have gotten used to it once you got to New York, right? Because the metro system is super bomb. <laughs> it's so much better than LA. Oh, note. for sure. For sure. But listen, the first day that I got there, I was lost. I was 100% lost. I remember um, I was going to go get the apartments, the, the keys to my apartment. And I got lost going there. And it was only supposed to be a six minute walk. But I met some some man um, working at some hotel. And I go up to this man and I'm like, can you help me find this place? And I'm like over here crying. And the man was a complete sweetheart. He was like, okay, sweetie, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go make a left, make a right, and then like get on the bus. And I was like, you're being very nice right now. But like, I don't even know how to use the bus over here. <laughs> <laughs> But like that conversation with that man really helped. It really helped down break that this, that that stigma that all New Yorkers are mean because this mm-hmm. man took the time to like actually es- explain like what to do and like how to do it and like it was really funny. Like he didn't even acknowledge that I was crying, but he was like, "Okay, you go over here and you go over there." Oh, he was he was like ready. He was like, Listen, <laughs> "Boom, boom, bam!" You know, aquí, allá. You know, make it work. Make it work. You make it work and. Um, yeah, like my, my first day there was, was rough, but I definitely ended up learning the, the, the train systems. Mm. I, I feel like everybody was like, it's just the grid. It's just the grid. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. And they were like, <laughs> uptown is that way. And downtown is that way. That's all you have to know. And I was just like, I, I still don't get it. It took some time. It took some time. Awesome. And what do you mean when when it comes to the first day? So you get to, to your, you finally get to your spot. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Um, I finally feel it. I feel mm. that I finally left home, that I'm on my own, that I won't see my family for like a really long time and that I have to figure things out for myself because even during my undergraduate studies, I didn't leave home. I stayed home. I didn't dorm. So this mm. was my first time leaving. And it was my first time being away from home for like more than three days, more than two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So huge culture shift too, because I assume like, you know, having so much family with you to then not having no one except probably the person that gave you the admission in the first place right Mm-hmm. literally wow. yeah literally no one but full transparency i did have two people so <laughs> oh nice tell me about them okay, tell okay. me about your support okay so like there was two other girls from my undergraduate that went with me i knew of them but i didn't know them know them mm. if that makes any sense mm-hmm. so they were always there and like we had acquaintances with other folks they were like just just reach out to them just reach out to them they're going to be very very cool 
And I consider myself an ambivert where I'm both an introvert and an extrovert. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, I was kind of like feeling more like an in, in introvert because they're extroverts. Like they get along with people. They go out. They're very social. They're very like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go out and party and drink and all of that. And I'm like, this is this is this is brand new to me. This is mm-hmm. 100% brand new to me. But like folks definitely encouraged me to reach out to them because I needed to have a support system, especially if it was in a new city. I definitely felt that I needed to have a support system and they definitely got me out of my shell. And they made a big city feel like home. Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. That's so good that you were able to identify that at least you know for me it was the same thing i only knew of one sorority sister out here and yeah i knew her because my my big and my sorority she was <laughs> like oh yeah she's my best friend you guys will get along great cool cool and literally when i landed was when i met her <laughs> like she helped she helped pick up my car she <laughs> She, I swear, like, and we're still very good friends. Shout she was to, your go-to shout to person. Karen. Shout out to Karen right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, if it wasn't for her, wow, like, you know, we went uh, shopping for, you know, apartments and rooms to rent out here and all of that. Was yeah. there anything that you missed specifically while you were in graduate school that um, you missed from back home? Um, wow. I'm like thinking back. I'm definitely thinking back. <laughs> this is going to sound very cheesy. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm, we're open here. Are you going to think I'm, I'm a fool? But no, def- <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. This is your story. Okay, listen. So New York definitely has hot Cheetos. <laughs> they... <laughs> Oh my god, I think I know where you're going with this, but keep going. <laughs> but they didn't have extra flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> Listen, I okay, so side story and completely off tangent, but I worked at a nonprofit here in Huntington Beach where there was this ice cream truck that had this side window. Uh-huh. And the side window had the had the Cheetos, right? But you could add the extra cheese if you wanted it to. And they put it, they heat it up for you and everything. The nacho cheese? Yes. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, I was so mind blown. I mean, I'm vegan now, but uh-huh. initially when I when I tried it, my mind was just like, like whoa. <laughs> so I definitely get that because you will not find something like that. Unless you're, like, in a population where it's heavily Mexican-oriented, like, that you will find it. But it's few and far between because there's so many different uh, clusters mm-hmm. of, of cultures in the city. It's, it's wild. Definitely. It's so funny, too, that you're mentioning that because my first year, um, I was placed at... Oh, bringing it back to foster care, I was placed at a foster care agency in Jamaica, Queens. Mm-hmm. And Jamaica is very, I feel like it was very diverse. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and we had like a whole bunch of caseworkers that were there. And me being the California that I am, I was like, yo, let's go get some hot Cheetos. Let's go do this. And um, 
some folks were like, yo, I've never had hot Cheetos. And other folks were like, yo, you went to public school. How did you not ever have hot Cheetos? <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, a, it, it's like a gateway passage or something like that. <laughs> For real. There's so many. I, that's what I love about, you know, the degree of like how our cultures merge in that way. Is, is those small similarities that kind of bring you that sense of comfort. Mm-hmm. Preach it, girl. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Anything else about your transplant experience that um, you would recommend for maybe someone else that would be considering to do the same thing? Ooh. Um, that's a really great question. And I think my recommendation would be to do your research. Do the research on the community that you plan to live in if you're able to. Because sometimes when you're moving in from a different state, you kind of don't know, like, what's going on. Um, But definitely do your research. Because had I known that I was coming in into an area that was being gentrified... Mm. I would have been like, oh, listen, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I like in East L.A. and in Boyle Heights, gentrification is huge. Yeah. And personally, when I see other people coming in into my neighborhood, I'm just like, nah, 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 nah. That's what we're (laughs) not going to do. And I'm out there like at the front lines protesting so that they know like the folks that are coming in into our neighborhoods, like coffee shops or like white people coming in um that they know that they're not welcomed here Mm -hmm. so my recommendation or my advice to folks who are going into a new state like new york city more so like harlem or like washington heights definitely do your research and like get your outlook on how the community feels about like people coming in or if you are coming in um are you contributing to the economic um, mobility of the community like are you giving back to the community like what are you doing that's going to set you apart from like other transplants or other gentrifiers or like Mm. what are you going to do that like gives back to the community because that's definitely something that I wish I would have done more more research on instead of like having to learn about it on the spot because I was being called out if that makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so like definitely do your research definitely um give back to the community give back to like small bookstores there restaurants whatever you can anything for people that are within your culture that are from mexico that are wanting to pursue the same thing going to graduate school in new york any like small tips or like how you were able to navigate certain things Um, that you would recommend? I guess my recommendation or advice would be to not feel discouraged because (laughs) it's actually really funny because um, I feel like I have the nopal in the frente Mm. but when I got to to New York people would always ask me like what are you? What are you? Like they would um, I would have like a game like inside my head I would have a game saying oh, we're going to play the what are you game. And people would guess that I was from Ecuador, that I was from Colombia, that I was Puerto Rican. And like they would guess all these other countries except from Mexico. 
And when they were like, oh, you're from Mexico? And I was like, yeah. They'd be like, oh, you don't look from Mexico. So um, I guess like my advice would be to not take it personal. To not mm. take it personal and um, to like strap up your boots to educate people if it's within your bandwagon. Because I know sometimes, I don't know if it's, it's similar to you, but like... Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't have the bandwagon to, like, deal with all these microaggressions, to deal with all these um, things that are coming your way because people don't believe what you are or, or what you're not. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to I, not, I, I, I guess not take it personal, but, like, also, like, see where they're coming from because they might not have a lot of people that look like you within their own communities. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I is guess, really common here in L.A. también with with Dominicans like Mm -hmm. even though there I can vouch for Dominicans in Cali (laughs) that there are so many of us here yeah statistically obviously we would be considered a minority in terms of like Hispanic different Hispanic culture groups whatever the case may be so I I definitely have experienced these microaggressions so I love the I love that um, notion of strapping your boots because it's a it's a real reality that if you um, don't have the necessarily don't have the communication or assertiveness to stand firm in, in your grace and who you are and being true to who you are then you know there's always walking away from a situation if you, if it gets too too heavy yeah. for you or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be um, depending on the circumstance, but I love I love strapping on the boots and you know, just yeah. Hey, this is this is me. This is who I am. I'm not exotic. <laughs> say it, girl. Say it. <laughs> okay, I, I'm. My family's from a little island. You know what I'm saying? And that's it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I I can't put myself in your shoes because I know Mexicans in California can be very racist. Mm. So I I definitely call out people for folks because they 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 don't accept anti-blackness like they aren't aware of all these things because they haven't seen it and so i definitely call them out on it um so and it's becoming more apparent too yeah so you definitely have an ally over here thank you (laughs) i appreciate that anything that you're grateful for based on your experience being a transplant and knowing you know, you were born in Mexico, you raised all over LA County. What was a transplant in New York? So you've had more than more than one experience, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess my main thing would be to not forget your roots. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you come from because at the end of the day, you are home. Like you make home wherever you, you go. Mm. And I'm snapping. (laughs) And I think sometimes being away from home just makes you appreciate where you come from even more. So like holding on to whatever makes you happy, whatever helps you reach your goals, whatever makes you feel like home, like just hold on to that so that you can continue to push forward and be successful and be the best version of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I and I agree with that in addition to like 
being grateful for the support system. Yes. I know for for me, my parents, even though they have a very <laughs> different way of expressing that they miss me <laughs> or, you know, anything of that nature. Um, like, when when I, when they, yeah. right. <laughs> like it, it was just very mm, passive aggressive. Mm. <laughs> just a little bit. But um, I was truly grateful that they did let me go in mm -hmm. that way. You know, there it could have been way different. Yeah. You know? But they trusted that this decision I was making for myself because I wanted to, because I had to drive, because there was something that I was gaining from yeah. this experience. So yeah. I'm definitely grateful for that. And it's so interesting that you're saying that right now because like in the moment, parents are going to be like, no, like don't do that. Or like the way mm -hmm. that they're showing their love is like, not as very no 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 yeah <laughs> but then when they talk to other folks they'll be like oh yeah me hasta guys uh -huh. like yeah and i'm like yo you're so fake I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it makes that's what it feels like right right my mom my mom she's a teacher so she's like oh see in california she's in cali you know <laughs> she's a singer oh she's doing all this cool stuff and i'm like yes mom <laughs> you don't tell that to me you don't tell that to me <laughs> Which yeah. is so crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, let me do a little a little clink clink cheers. Here you go, girl. Raising, raising a glass to you, to your grace, to your work, to being the backbone in your community, to having your mom as your backbone, and to providing this love and strength and resiliency that you know we desire our communities to have. Thank you. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. And I wish you best in your future endeavors. And I hope that we can meet sometime soon. I know. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. so too. Yeah. You know, we can we can connect in person. I I love that. Like, you know, you were able to how did you hear? Side note. How did you hear about the <laughs> Vesco Hour? I'm curious. Yeah, definitely. So um I haven't met this person yet, but I see them on Instagram. They're always posting amazing things. I'm like, yes, girl, you do you do what you gotta do. But Sunny Academia? Oh, um, Vanessa. Vanessa. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. She posted about it and I was like, ooh. So I clicked on it and then here I am. Oh, I so love that. So shout out to Vanessa. Yes, shout out to Vanessa. Shout out to Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> For folks who would like to connect on Twitter or IG, you could definitely find me at C-L-V-A-R-E-Y-E-S. And if you would also like to get involved within your own community like I am, a great way to do that is to get your neighbors counted for the census. And if you need any assistance, you could definitely look up mycensus.gov and it only takes 10 minutes to fill out 10 questions. And that's pretty much it. It's a great way to give more money back to your own community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Refresco Hour. This is your girl, V Annie. Thank you so much, Claudia, otra vez. Gracias, a gracias. A pleasure, a pleasure. Likewise. And we'll talk soon. <laughs>